the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed. Good morning. Eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we are ready to go. On this Monday, it's the 23rd morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Day number two of the surrender of American sovereignty. Yes, it's underway. It started yesterday. The meetings in Geneva, Switzerland, began yesterday. They will end on the 28th. And so it's day two of the surrender of American sovereignty at the World Health Organization. If you've been paying attention to this program over the, over the course of the last couple of weeks, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you have not been, then you need to pay attention now. Quite frankly, we should have been paying attention for the last five months. It was in January that um, proposals to, or amendments rather, were offered or proposed to the WHO by the Biden administration to give the World Health Organization and its leader, um, Tedros, the full authority to tell member nations how to handle health crises, health emergencies, as they define them, not the, not the, the countries like the United States, but as the WHO defines what a health emergency is, uh, to tell them exactly how to deal with it. 
when to lock down, when to require masks, when to require jabs, when to require mail-in balloting, an end to uh, to gatherings, an end to lines for voting, all of those things. We told you about it. Actually, they proposed those things back in January. They weren't made public until April 12th, according to Michelle Bachman, the former congresswoman from uh, Minnesota. They were made public on April 12th. And a lot of our uh, members of Congress, she told me in, a, in our exclusive interview on Friday that oftentimes Congress is literally the last to know when things like this go down, which is staggering to me considering Congress is supposed to be representing us, hence the name representatives. So um, it's terribly frightening, um, and the fact is we're not going to be able to stop it. We're not going to be able to stop it unless something drastic happens. I don't know what that drastic act would be. We're going to talk to Jim Jordan about it coming up at uh, 935, so about a half an hour from now, a little bit less, as we talk to him each and every Monday about the uh, whole host of issues. But that one will be front and center. This I can promise you. We have a lot of other things to get into this morning as well. Uh, if you have not yet visited alwaysright.us this morning, check it out. There are a lot of new stories there. There are a lot of new uh, radio bits that maybe you missed since Friday that are posted. Interviews, including the one with Michelle Bachman, we posted right at the end of the show on Friday. So if you missed the conversation with the former congresswoman who is trying to sound the alarm about American uh, sovereignty being ceded to the U.S. Uh, to the um, uh, WHO, rather. Check that out right now. And also, you're going to find there a video at the top of the page of former leftist, maybe now more moderate centrist, and ticking off the wild radical left, Bill Maher of HBO. His real time with Bill Maher show for years and years and years has been just a haven for leftist ideas and for leftist commentary and for reprehensible uh you know statements about conservatives. It's just been typically, you know, what you would find on CNN or MSNBC for years. It's been on HBO on Bill Maher. But in recent months, we've been featuring commentary from Bill Maher where the left would say he's been red-pilled. Red pill, Bill Maher? Are you kidding me? No, it's 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 a legitimate thing. He has, uh, and you know what you know what it looks like, and you know what it sounds like. Just super briefly here, that little cartoon graphic that we discussed uh, a couple of weeks ago that Elon Musk re- retweeted, and it kind of shows an ideological scale, and it shows a person standing just to the barely right of center, and somebody else standing just barely to the to the left of center on the ideological scale. And then in three graphs down, you know, it, it shows where the left has gone. So far to the left of that scale, the person on the right, it, it, which, you know, looks like they're, they're just standing still, is considered to be extreme right because of how far the left has gone. And, and really, the, 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 the person on the center right hasn't moved. It's just that the scale has shifted so far to the left. The guy who was just, you know, moderate, um, you know, looks looks much more conservative by by design or by uh, uh, comparison, and I think that's what's going on with Bill Maher. Bill Maher has been just to the slight left, but they have moved the scale so far to the left that he now looks like, or I'm sorry, he used to be somewhat to to the farther on the left, beg your pardon, but now he looks like he's just barely slight left or essentially right in the middle, and that looks red pilled to the modern Democrat. That looks like, well, this guy just is a traitor to the cause. Now he's a conservative? No, he's not. But he's taking reasonable approaches because the left has gone so far bat bleep crazy that he's got to, you know, uh, he's got to push back at least a little bit. 
So it's a remarkable uh, uh, video. It's nine minutes of truth from Bill Maher um, in which he exposes and simultaneously destroys this LGBTQ trans agenda. And it is a trans agenda much, 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 much more than it was ever a gay agenda. Much more. It's just, it's it's nine minutes of common sense. There are a couple of lines in it I could do without, to be honest with you. But overall, bigger picture, nine minutes of, how did my friend Tom Z word it? Uh, the quiet part said out loud. Kind of what Joe Biden does all the time. Uh, but uh, in this case, it's Bill Maher, and he's saying what the left doesn't want you to say out loud. This trans agenda is exactly that. It's a political agenda. It is not natural. It is not biological. It is completely and and physically and humanly impossible for 20 to 30% of babies being born today being born in the wrong bodies, where their minds are one thing and their bodies are something different. That's what they want you to think is going on. And as Bill points out in his, uh, and I'm going to play some of this for you a little bit later on this morning, uh, after I make sure all of that, the bad words are bleeped out. <laughs> um, but Bill Maher, uh, as he points out correctly, if this is something that's happening naturally and it's organic and it's real and, and it's not just a choice and it's not just you know, children being uh, uh, peer pressured by their teachers, by sometimes their parents, by their friends, by social media, by traditional media being pressured to be anything but straight, that they've got to be something on the rainbow spectrum. If that's really happening, then then why is it so regional? If it's really organic and natural and not being forced, why is it regional? In other words, why are so many of the babies just being born in the wrong bodies in places like Los Angeles? Why are so many of the babies whose minds just don't match with their bodies being born in San Francisco and in New York City and not so much even references Ohio, he said, in Youngstown, Ohio. So... Uh, it's a really great video. Check it out. It's right now online at alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. All right, we've got so much to get into today. I want to start with our pledge. Patriots, please stand if you would. Face the flag that is nearest you if you have one. If you don't, that's all right. Just close your eyes and imagine one. If you are uh, so inclined, if you are driving, just put your hand on your heart force and join us for our pledge. If you are a leftist and if you are a supporter of what our lead story is going to talk about this morning, And that is Hillary Clinton, for the first time, being personally identified as having approved the criminal conspiracy for the to have the FBI spy on a rival political campaign, the Trump campaign, and then to spy on a president while he's in office. If you support that, if you support the path we're on to $6 a gallon, thanks to Let's Go Brandon, if you support any of the above, then you don't support that flag. And therefore, you are exempted from having to say this pledge. If you would rather, please go ahead and feel free to take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Yes, indeed, Uh, and uh, we're going to start right there. This is just a bombshell. Bombshell doesn't even begin to describe it, quite frankly. Hillary Clinton personally approved the lies and the erroneous, false, 
fabricated information that was used to get an FBI warrant to surveil the Trump campaign back in uh, 2016. Back in the summer of 2016 and in the early fall leading up to the election, they were desperate, and they had to try to stop Donald Trump from beating Hillary Clinton and continuing Obama's policies with a third Obama term in the person of Hillary Clinton. They were so desperate, they manufactured everything. This isn't a a conspiracy. This isn't an allegation from somebody on the far right or on the right at all. It's not from Tucker Carlson. It's not from uh, uh, anybody at uh, uh, Breitbart. It's not anybody at Salem. This, according to her own campaign manager, Robbie Mook, took the stand and testified in federal court in the trial of Michael Sussman and testified that, yes, Hillary Clinton did approve of the move to try and tie falsely and fraudulently the Trump campaign to a Russian bank in 2016 to try to make it appear as if Russia was colluding with the Trump campaign to defeat Hillary Clinton. This is a Yahoo report. Hillary Clinton personally approved leaking to the... I'm giving you Yahoo first rather than Breitbart or Fox or or Red State or anybody else. Hillary Clinton personally approved leaking to the media information alleging a connection between Donald Trump and a Russian bank in 2016, which the campaign itself had not fully confirmed, according to testimony Friday by Clinton's campaign manager, Robbie Mook. Clinton's campaign chief said in federal court that as the campaign against Trump heated up in the late summer and early fall of 2016, Mark Elias, who was then a lawyer with the Perkins Coie Law Firm and served as the campaign's top legal advisor, told Mook that people with expertise in cyber activity had briefed the campaign on data alleging links between the Trump Organization and Alpha Bank, a Russian financial institution with ties to the Kremlin. Mook's testimony for the very first time puts Clinton in the middle of the leak to the news media that ultimately blew up in their face. Because the FBI quickly determined that the purported connection between the Russian bank and the Trump organization was implausible. And Michael Sussman, who was then Elias's law partner, who brought the claims to the FBI, has since been indicted by John Durham, the Justice Department special counsel, on charges that he lied to the Bureau's general counsel to hide his connection to the Clinton campaign. So this account for Mook came on the fourth day of the trial of Sussman. The uh, case is a huge, huge, huge test for Durham, who has been appointed, was appointed back in 2019. He is in year three now of this wide-ranging investigation into what happened uh, with the Trump, uh, 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 the uh, Bureau, or excuse me, the Trump investigation that was done of Trump and and Russia at the tip of the spear, if you will, uh, that was held by Hillary Clinton, uh, that was done by Bob Mueller, the Bob Mueller investigation. Mueller was investigated, or excuse me, was tasked with investigating potential collusion between Trump and Russia, and after two years, his report said, nope, there wasn't any. So now, of course, Durham is investigating that investigation, and now we are finding out the reality of it, and the reality of it is that Hillary Clinton was as dirty and duplicitous and deceptive and disgusting as you ever, ever thought that she was. We knew this. But the fact that they put Robbie Mook, her campaign manager, on the stand in the Michael Sussman trial to say this out loud 
is remarkable, incredible. It's it's bombshell worthy, seriously. So this is a this is a big deal. This is a big deal to finally acknowledge that Hillary Clinton uh, was behind all of this, or at least was briefed on it and gave her approval of it. If she didn't come come up with the idea herself, uh, at the very least, she approved uh, her her team, if you will, of doing this. So this is such a big deal, and it is such vindication of Donald Trump. And President Trump, by the way, is speaking out about it right now, saying, where do I go to get my reputation back? Now that we know what's going on here and what I've been telling you all along, that we never colluded with Russia, and all of this was was done to, to try to essentially tip the election in Hillary Clinton's favor, all of these lies, where do I go to get my reputation back? It's a great question. Jim Jordan and I are going to talk about that coming up at 935. That's our lead story, but by all means, or excuse me, by no means is that our only story. We've got much, much more coming up for you. It's 922, Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. News, opinion, insights on the go. Download the AM 1420, The Answer app on the App Store or Google Play Store. 926 now. It's uh, it's just such a blockbuster. I know, I know Jim Jordan is going to be touching on this uh, when we chat in just about uh, nine minutes or so. Robbie Mook, the former campaign manager for Hillary Clinton, literally, well, laid it out. Uh, he bra- bracingly testified that Clinton herself approved the campaign proposal to leak the back-channel smear of Donald Trump in Team Trump to the media that enabled Durham to do exactly what he had hoped to do, and that's put Michael Sussman's false statement in a larger context of the Clinton-driven conspiracy. Sussman, of course, is on trial right now for lying to the FBI, fa- making false statements when he told the former general counsel uh, uh, of the FBI, James Baker, in September, just two months before the election, that he was not doing work for any client when he requested and attended a meeting where he presented data and white papers that demonstrated covert communication channels between Trump and the Russian bank. Turns out he was indeed working on behalf of a client. That client was Hillary Clinton. Uh, it's a big deal. Special Counsel John Durham's team says Sussman was doing work for the Clinton campaign and a technology executive following the meeting. Sussman billed the campaign for his work, and therein is your smoking gun. By the way, just as a follow-up to that, the New York Post reported that James Baker has told jurors he would have treated those white papers and other materials from uh, um, Sussman differently if he had known that Fusion GPS, the firm he was working for, was working also for the Clinton campaign. Then they would have known there was a conflict of interest there. So it's a big, big deal. And uh, we're going to talk about it with Jim Jordan. We're also going to talk about what's going on at our southern border. The CDC cannot move forward with its plan to discontinue uh, the Title Title 42 pandemic-related emergency rules that were supposed to have been lifted today. That's the good news. The federal judge in Louisiana ruled on Friday after we were off the air, or else I would have told you about this Friday. But Judge Robert Summerhays of the U.S. District Court in Louisiana has issued a preliminary injunction blocking Biden from ending the restrictions known as Title 42, which is expected when it is lifted, if it is lifted, to perhaps triple, quadruple, or quintuple the number of illegal aliens crossing our southern border. There will be no way to slow them down or stop them under health pretenses or anything else unless we actually get serious about controlling the border, something we are not going to do. Now, the good news, as I said, is that the judge has made that ruling Title 42 stays. Here's the bad news. 
And you can find this also uh, at alwaysright.us right now. Migrants have said, we don't care. They're tired of waiting. This is a Breitbart story from the border. Whether Title 42 ends or not, migrants say they're tired of waiting, and yesterday they surged across the Rio Grande into the Eagle Pass, Texas area of operations. As many as 3,600 crossed so far this weekend, eclipsing last weekend's total of just over 2,800 migrant apprehensions. And mind you, migrant apprehensions don't count migrant gotaways. So the number is much, much bigger than the already crazy big numbers that we're talking about, according to the source operating with the U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Border Patrol issues called in all available agents in Eagle Pass yesterday. As increasing numbers of migrants crossed the border illegally, uh, Sunday evening a large group of more than 250 crossed near Normandy, Texas, while others streamed across into Eagle Pass Another group of around 300 crossing the border as the article was being published. We don't know how many since this article was written yesterday. And at a nearby hydro plant, uh, agents found another group of 100 migrants, more than 700 in just a couple of hours. Agents identified most of the migrants as being Honduran nationals. Some Colombian migrants also crossed. Nobody knows who they are or what their uh, agenda is when they get here. What we do know is all they have to do is claim asylum, and then they are allowed to go ahead into the United States. We don't turn anyone away anymore because we no longer have a border. So we'll get into that with Jim Jordan as well. That's coming up right after our news. It's 930, and news is now on AM 1420, The Answer. Waking up America from its woke slumber. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. 9.37, good Monday morning to you. Thanks for being with us. We continue now, as promised, with our regular Monday guest. He is our fourth congressional district representative in the state of Ohio. He's also the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee. He is Congressman Jim Jordan, back with us once again. Good morning, Congressman. How are you, sir? I'm fine, Bob. Good morning to you. All right. Um, a lot of ground to cover here with you. Um, I'm going to go a little bit out of order because of what happened yesterday as we got the report uh, on the southern border of migrants saying, screw it, we're tired of waiting. This is a Breitbart headline. Migrants tire of waiting for Title 42's end. As you know, on Friday, a federal judge said, can't do it, can't end it. So uh, it was supposed to expire today. Uh, you know, the number of crossings are going to quadruple or quintuple, according to the experts. They've said we're yep. tired of waiting. And yesterday, uh, as many as 3,600 have crossed so far this weekend, seven, eight, nine hundred yesterday in the evening alone, according to, um, according to, uh, Breitbart. Congressman, how does this possibly end for us? Is there any end in sight, considering that with or without Title 42, which, by the way, is not even a border security measure, it's a health right, measure. Right. <laughs> exactly yeah. Exactly. what is the end game of all of this over the course of, let's just say, the next two and a half years of a Biden administration? Well, the, the one thing we can do is if the American people put us in charge, uh, give us back control of the, the, the House and Senate, is we can, we, can, we can use the appropriations process to try to get some leverage to actually get our border back under control and secure again. Um, but that's going to be that, that's going to be tough in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the best answer is we're going to have to, you know, and you hate to say this, but you're going to have to maybe wait until until President Trump runs again and he wins and, and takes office in 25. And you have because you have to have a chief executive who has the will to do what needs to be done, what we assumed every president would do, uh, which is, you know, 
actually recognize that we have a border to our sovereign nation. Um, but uh, until we get to Joe Biden, and, and he just he just refuses to do it. And as we've talked before, and we said in the hearing a couple of weeks back, uh, this is this is all intentional. They are intentionally doing this to our nation, which is I think just even more troublesome. But um, in the end, it may it may take until we get the next president. But we're gonna. We're going to do everything we can if, in fact, we get uh, in control of the House. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's so troubling, and I know there's not a whole lot you can do, uh, perhaps, unless there is a massive, overwhelming red wave in November in which you get something like a veto-proof majority, which is it's not very yep. likely, even if you have a big victory. Um, it, it's troubling, because I just how much damage can be done in another two and a half years of unchecked migration? And all these people know, you know, they all know that uh, all they've got to do as soon as they cross the border is say, asylum. Oh, okay, well, if you're claiming asylum, uh, go on, go ahead. Go to New York, go to, yeah. go to Cleveland, go wherever you want, and we'll talk to you in a in uh, in a year well, or so, and we'll have a hearing they, about they, whether or not your claim is legitimate. Everyone, every one of these immigrants coming here knows that there's there's no wall to get over. Mm-hmm. You won't have to wait in Mexico like you used to with with President. You won't have to wait in Mexico while we evaluate your asylum claim. You're gonna get you're gonna get released anywhere in the country that you want to go. You're gonna get a cell phone which will allow you to call back to the people in your native country and tell them, hey, you can come too. I mean, <clears throat> everything they've done incentivizes more and more of this to happen. Um, and it just shows you how intentional, how deliberate, how, how premeditated this whole thing is uh, on, on behalf of Joe Biden and, and the Democrats. And again, I, it's almost as if it's to undermine, you know, just, just the sovereignty of our, of our country, um, which you hate to think of, but it, it sure appears to be that's what they're trying to do. Well, I'm glad you used that word sovereignty, because in a moment I'm going to ask you about the surrendering of our sovereignty in Geneva, Switzerland, right now, today. It started yesterday. It continues for another five days after this. We'll come back to that. But I want to go, because uh, there's a a chain here, kind of. We're not going to protect our southern border, but we're sending $40 billion to protect Ukraine's border with Russia. Now, nobody is saying we are not sympathetic to Ukraine. We obviously are. But we are very concerned with putting $40 billion to protect their border. And now, I have to ask you about this, Congressman. Uh, over the weekend, Joe Biden was asked if the U.S. will militarily defend Taiwan if there was to be a Chinese invasion of Taiwan. Military now. His answer shocked everyone. He said, yes. And the reporter said, you are? He said, that's the commitment we made. The White House tried to walk that back a little bit later on. But, Congressman, are we ready to protect the borders of Ukraine militarily and financially? Well, protect the border, and it's a border, it's an island nation of Taiwan, but you understand, from an invasion, yeah. that we don't protect our own southern border from a different type of invasion. Well, we've. Uh, uh, first of all, I, I think it's important to step back. Uh, I think it's much more difficult. I mean, we, we hope China has no designs on going after Taiwan. Uh, we, we hope they don't do that. But I think it's much tougher to go with, as you pointed out, island nation versus what Russia is, is attempted to do is, and, and is attempting to do with, with Ukraine, where there's, there's no water to get across to, to go into Ukraine. We've seen, uh, the whole world has seen, Russia certainly understands how difficult it has been and the pushback they've got from Ukraine. So let's hope that China doesn't, doesn't do it. But frankly, I don't know that you can believe anything Joe Biden says. I mean, he's been all over the map on everything. You remember when he told us that, that inflation was, was temporary? It was transitory. I mean, yeah. the, the hardest thing about temporary inflation seems to be the first 16 months of it, for goodness sake, because it's been going up ever since he took office. Um, so I don't know that anyone believes anything this guy says. Remember, it was the Easter Bunny who had to stop him from talking just a few weeks ago when he was on the White House lawn beginning to interact with, with, with citizens there. Um, 
So I don't know that anyone buys what he says. And, of course, as you, as you pointed out, the White House tried to walk it back. It seems like they're walking something back that this guy says every single week. Yeah, they really do, and it's, and it's very troubling to me. But, I mean, he's literally pledging war with China if China does indeed go uh, and, and try to invade Taiwan. So it's a very, very alarming situation there. Now, regarding sovereignty, um, you and I spoke about this last week. I think you had just been made aware uh-huh. of it a couple of days prior. For those who don't know what I'm talking about, just a quick little recap of what you and I are discussing right now here. Oh, doggone it. I apologize. There's a little bit of a glitch here. Um, but basically, Michelle Bachman, uh, former congresswoman, has yeah. been sounding the alarm about this Geneva meeting that is going on today. And I think I can probably I think I can probably play this right now. Decision making that we've lived with for almost three years would now be given over to the director of the WHO. So we would lose, as Americans, effectively representative democracy in America over one of the biggest issues there is, health care. That would be ceded to the director general, the WHO, Tedros. Who, of course, is very, very closely aligned with the yeah. Chinese Communist yeah. Party, among <laughs> others. So um, so what's going on, for, for those who don't know, is we have a delegation in Geneva, as do uh, all of the representative nations in the WHO. It's going on right now in which the WHO would, if this is all agreed to, have decision-making authority over how we handle, in our country and in all those other nations' countries, health emergencies that they determine may impact other nations. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, you're, you're right. There's there's one particular paragraph that I think is real problematic, which does what what uh, you just described and what former Congressman Bachman described. And and I think just get cuts cuts to sort of the fundamental issue here. Why are we in the WHO in the, in, in the first place? This is the same organization that covered for China, lied for China about the origins of this virus. What there's there's a legislation by a colleague of mine that 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 we support, which would just get us out of the World Health Organization for goodness sake. That's the smartest thing to do. We're the United States of America. We can determine what what we're going to do with healthcare policy, and we can have impact around the world as the biggest economy in, 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 on the world stage. So this this makes no sense. But again, it's one more example of all the dumb things the Biden administration does, and that they do now not just because they're doing crazy policies because but but it's intentional it's deliberate much like the border yeah it it is um and and so the question is and i kind of asked you this last week and it may may be a question that doesn't have an answer is is what can we do um if this at the end of this thing like i said it ends on the 28th so later later this week what what can we do if this uh if this agreement is signed i don't know if it's going to be officially considered a treaty or not but if this agreement is signed Again, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be alar- an alarmist here, but this whole monkeypox right. thing, everybody's kind of freaking out about now. There's a big, big massive spread of monkeypox, which is very different than coronavirus because it's not an airborne virus. But the point is, we can always see quote unquote health emergencies coming down the line uh, that that you know that somebody else defines as an emergency. And if that somebody else happens right. to be in the WHO, Tedros, then we have to what Mandat- mandatorily roll up our sleeves, mandatorily lock ourselves down, wear the these masks, etc. And not only can we not have anything to say about it, neither can our government, because we are giving that yeah. authority to a foreign country. So, again, I hate to just put this all in your lap, but you're the right. only congressman on the airwaves we, with me right now. What can Congress <laughs> do? We can talk about it. We can we can highlight it. Uh, we can underscore it so that the American people fully know the facts, and they can make a decision uh, on Election Day on November 8th this fall, and, and they'll decide. And, and, and Bob, we, we've talked about it before, but I think right now more than I think the country's on the wrong track. I think there's fixing to be a big change 
in who runs Congress after this, this fall's election. So that's how we do it in the country. That's how American politics works. You, you highlight things that are this, this egregious, this, this wrong, this ridiculous. And uh, the country, remember what, the country's figured out how crazy the left is. I mean, last week in, in a 48-hour time frame, we learned that Clinton told Zussman to take false information to the FBI. We learned that the White House was actually working with the National Boards Association before they... Did I lose you there, Congressman? I think I did. I thought it was only going to be a quick glitch and he would come back. Apologies, you cut out also, for about four or five seconds. Hour. <clears throat> okay, well, we, we learned that, and then we also learned that for pregnant. So the, the country has figured out they are crazy. And I think they're going to make a big change. And as you point out, it could be a really big change. I don't know that we'll get to a veto-proof majority. I would love to do that, but I know that we will. Uh, change happens, then you have more leverage to make the argument and get things done and, and, hold, and hold them accountable during the appropriations process. That's how American uh, government works. So we, we just got to keep doing what you're doing, Bob, every single day, telling the people the truth so that they're informed when it comes time to vote this yeah, that, that is extremely important. Uh, I want to get, since you brought up Michael Sussman, that was going to be my next question for you anyway. The Michael Sussman trial, this is so extraordinary. You talk about a smoking gun. Robbie Mook was her campaign manager, not yep. just some yep. outside, not a low-level staff. Robbie Mook was the campaign manager, and for some reason, they called him to testify, and he admitted and acknowledged for the very first time that Hillary Clinton knew and approved of this uh, this fabrication, this tale of Trump, uh, the Trump campaign communicating with a Russian bank with ties to the Kremlin, thus uh, providing, quote-unquote, collusion uh, to help him win, yep. to help him defeat Hillary Clinton. Now, Sussman's the one that's on trial, not Clinton, but... This is this is going to lead. Well, I shouldn't say that. Could this lead to an indictment of Hillary Clinton herself? I don't know, but 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 step back, think about it. The former Secretary of State, the former First Lady, the former Senator from the state of New York, who was the Democrat candidate for the highest office in the land, tells Dustin to take false information to the FBI in an effort to undermine her political rival, her opponent's campaign. That is huge news. And barely anyone in the mainstream press has covered it. But, but think about it. that. That's what happened here. You've got the Democrat nominee for President of the United States, former Secretary of State, telling key people information to the FBI in an effort to get them to investigate my opponent. That is sickening. That is disgusting. But that is exactly what happened. Yeah, and it's um, it, it's it's just quite alarming. And and President Trump has said, you know, it's nice to hear this now, but he he said yeah. over the weekend, where do I go to get my reputation back? I was smeared as being an agent of Russia, being a tool of Russia, being an asset of Russia, being Vladimir Putin's lackey. When when it was the story was told, uh, not just during the campaign, but after his presidency began, they were still surveilling him and his team. Yeah, and 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 I was the one who was accused of being a traitor to the United States and being a an asset of a foreign country, particularly a foreign adversary. Yeah. He said, "Where do I go to get my reputation back?" Yeah, well, uh, certainly, and that's a, that's a great point. But also, the, maybe the maybe the bigger point is what they did to the country, because it preoccupied the country was preoccupied with this for three and a half years, when more could have been done for the good of this nation and the and the and the great people who make up this country. But Democrats were so out to get their opponent, 
care about the harm it did to the country. They knew it was a lie, but they didn't care that it was three years, $30 million, and all this stuff that Mueller went through. That was just a bunch of baloney. That, that, that's the part that really bothers me as well. Well, you're right, and that should be, because, you know, it, uh, he was impeached over this Ukraine nonsense, as we know, and I have no doubt in my mind that a lot of the decisions that were made by members of Congress uh, who, who, uh, you know, who voted to impeach and send that to a trial on the Senate side were, were, were probably jaded a little bit by the fact that here's a sure. guy who's under investigation by Mueller for their, you know, for his illegal ties to Russia. Now we find out he's trying to influence Ukraine, uh, in, in the election as well. I mean, all of those things come together to essentially try to destroy the Trump presidency. And how much damage was done to the country by these attacks on the presidency? Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's sad when that, when the Democrats are so consumed by their hatred for, for President Trump and people who, who think the way President Trump does and who believe in this greatness of this country, that they're willing to weaponize government, even when it all was premised on a lie, which is exactly what took place here. Yeah, no question about that. And, Congressman, uh, let me just ask you one more quick one on the now dissolution. Maybe. They're not even saying it's dissolved. It's It's been put on pause. The disinformation governance board that was going to be headed up by the left-wing lunatic Nina Jankowicz, she resigned. The board is on pause. Um, and, and so a lot of people are celebrating, saying, yay, we don't have to worry about this ministry of truth anymore. But, Congressman, here's my question for you. Can we celebrate? Do we really think that this is no longer? Or is it just going to be that they're going to continue with the work of editing, changing, spying on, censoring, and so on and so forth, Americans for quote-unquote disinformation, but just without having a title, without the board having a title? Because I fear that they're not going to stop what their goal was here. They just knew that the pushback was tremendous, and so they have to find a way to maybe alleviate that pressure by getting rid of the title. Yeah, I think it's probably both. I mean, I think it, we, we celebrate that, you know, thankfully this thing has been disbanded. Let's hope it's, it's permanent. But we always got to be cautious and, and aware that, you know, the FBI spied on President Trump's campaign. The IRS released thousands of American tax returns. Uh, the, the DHS formed this disinformation board in the first place and have given over our border. and just don't We don't even have a border. So we always got to be concerned about how they weaponize government and the things that they're doing. But I think we celebrate the win. You know, no one thought this could happen. And yet, yet here it is. And, and it was because of push from you and from others like you around the country and from those of us who are in Congress. Um, but yeah, win, but understand that they're still coming and they've been doing it in every agency. Uh, and that's why we have oversight. That's why we talk about these things. That's why we try to hold people accountable. Well, that's exactly what has to happen right now. Obviously, it's a very fluid situation to see where they go with this, but uh, I'm glad to know that you and others are on top of it and following it for us. Congressman Jordan, thank you so much for the time, as always. And we'll talk to you again soon. Right, there he is, Congressman Jim Jordan, joining us for his regular Monday visit on AM 1420, The Answer. There's a lot of questions. You know, people, I've had people reaching out to me <clears throat> in frustration. There's a lot of people who are very frustrated with uh, with Congressman Jordan because, you know, he comes on every week, but then there are some things that, you know, there are no answers to. And, you know, the reality is, as I said to him, I recognize there are some things going on here that you don't have any answers to, but we're sitting here looking at the threat. We're sitting here very concerned and consumed by, uh, you know, what this what this means to us, particularly with the WHO situation. And he's like, you know, look, uh, all we can do is continue to make noise about it. And hopefully, uh, since we can't change anything now as the congressional minority, and that's what the Republicans are, it'll spur us to becoming the congressional majority come November. 
Because there's really not a whole lot that a congressman or a whole bunch of congressmen can do. They can write a letter to the president saying, stop this now, do not surrender our authority, but there's not going to be any teeth to anything that they are able to, to do right now. So I know it's frustrating. I bring him on and I ask the questions, but I also understand his point of view. It's like, look, I don't have a scepter any more than anybody else does. And if anybody does, it's the executive power of the presidency. So we can't make him do anything until we get a majority, and then we'll have at least a shot at it. So uh, I hope you understand that. If you want to respond to what you just heard, 216-901-0945 or 888 You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now. 11, or excuse me, eight minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock. The 11 was not accurate, not even close. Eight minutes after the hour of, of uh, 10 o'clock on this 23rd morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Thanks to Jim Jordan. We had a few audio glitches there. His phone cut out. I think we had a bad connection for some of that. Maybe you missed some of it. But uh, what we did get was very important for you to hear, and you can listen to it if you missed it at whkradio.com or, of course, on my website, which is alwaysright.us. Go to the podcast page, and you will see it and hear it, alwaysright.us. Speaking of alwaysright.us. Trending now on alwaysright.us. Let's give you a lay of the land here so you know exactly what the top stories are. We do this for you each multiple times a day, rather. We update. The scrolling marquee right now. The surrender of U.S. sovereignty is underway right now in Geneva, Switzerland. What's going to be done about it? Not a whole heck of a lot. The Biden delegation is there, and they're going to surrender sovereignty in terms of how the U.S. responds to health crises to that foreign body, to foreign leaders, including the leader of the WHO, Tedros. Top stories also, Bill Maher exposing and destroying the trans agenda. I told you about that last hour. The video is there. I'm going to play some of it for you this hour. Exposing and destroying the trans agenda. If you did not miss it, or excuse me, if you did not see that, you should not miss this. Check it out at alwaysright.us. Top stories include President Trump in the Epoch Times asking, where do I get my reputation back after revealing testimony from the Clinton uh, associate Michael Sussman, his trial right now for lying to the FBI in order to start that campaign uh, surveillance of the uh, Trump campaign back in 2016. Two other stories regarding that leak and the Hillary Clinton uh, campaign manager, Robbie Mook, testifying that, yes, Hillary knew about it and approved that illegal activity. So all of that is enormous. You should check all of those stories out right now at alwayswrite.us. Also, the U.K. government, not U.S., U.K., United Kingdom, is warning gay men to be on alert for the new African monkeypox virus that is apparently turning up in multiple countries, at least nine countries, reporting cases of monkeypox. Why gay men? They say that an extraordinary uh, amount of the cases are in the LGBTQ community because this particular virus is transmitted um, through fluids. Let's phrase it that way, through bodily fluids, not through airborne contact. So apparently it's a problem in the gay community. Some are calling it the new AIDS. We have to watch that. That's according to the U.K. government. 
Uh, story in Breitbart about migrants tired of waiting for Title 42's end. They're surging across the border into Texas over the weekend. We talked about that with Jim Jordan. Uh, Texas school district is telling teachers not to tell the truth to parents of their students who come out to them about their trans or non-binary statuses. That's right. Again, teachers substituting their own judgment as parents of your kids instead of your judgment as real parents of their kids. Conservatives and Republicans need courage to win the culture war, according to an article in the Washington Examiner you can find there. Uh, Also, gas stations adding that extra digit to pump meters in anticipation of at least $10 a gallon gasoline, at least in one U.S. state so far, and that's Washington. There you have it. That's what's trending right now at alwaysright.us, alwaysright.us. I like to call it the uh, conservative news and views, best place for conservative news and views. I I, kind of coordinate them all together, make it easy viewing. Rather than scrolling through 15 websites, it's all there for you uh, at alwaysright.us. Okay, to the phones we go. We're going to try Wycliffe first. Cheryl, you are on AM 1420. The answer, thanks for waiting. Go ahead. Thank you, Bob. Um, You know, it's something that we all can do, and I I, uh, was uh, doing some research last week. Um, Here in Ohio, we can alert our attorney general regarding the uh, possible takeover of our sovereignty. Each state in the United States of America is sovereign. So if we were to email, call or call, or find the Attorney General, which he does have a Facebook page for the state of Ohio, send him this information and make him aware of this so he can step up to the plate also and do what he needs to do. Well, have um, we done that? While, while I while I admire the uh, the idea and the ingenuity, I don't know that any state attorney general has any control over a federal delegation's vote in an international treaty. Um, if the good, okay. But what I what I'm thinking here is is are we not each state considered a uh, considered our own sovereign state? We are, but but, but within we are, but within our own state sovereignty and the right to make our own rules and our own laws, we do defer, or the states all defer to the federal government, particularly on matters of international concern. So, in other words, okay. if the United States enters into the um, uh, the Paris Climate Accords, which we know, of course, was done under Barack Obama. Um, you know, the, the state of Ohio or the state of Connecticut or the state of whatever can't just say, yeah, not us. We're going to continue doing what we do. We're not going to count carbon emissions. We're not going to pledge to lower this. We're not going to increase the tax on that. They can't do that. If the country, the federal government makes that decision, there are some things where states, you know, it's like Roe v. Wade, for example, right? Roe v. Wade. Right. You know, uh, provided feder- federally provided access to all women to have abortions, even if states did not want to do that. Now, states can pass their own laws limiting, such as heartbeat and so forth, but to just outright ban abortion, uh, nobody's been able to do that and won't be able to do that until the federal Roe versus Wade decision is overturned. So I think it's the same so thing So how here. do we combat this? How do we combat this? Because if that passes then all of us because according to what's going on with this then the then the the world health organization etc then our rights are turned over to them and they can inoculate every single person 
in the United States of America, and if you are not, then your rights are taken away. You cannot go buy, sell, trade, et cetera, et cetera. What happens? Um, well, you're exactly right. That is what happens. That is exactly what happens until we div, uh, you know, remove ourselves from the World Health Organization, which President Trump did, in which case all right. of that would be off. You know, all of those, all of those uh, conditions and uh, the circumstances you just described would be off. But if we sign Who on voluntarily as a member... This? I'm sorry? Who in, say, the GOP or mm-hmm. anybody else that believes or thinks the way you and I and others believe are going to put the brakes on this now. Who is going to stand up for this there in Washington? Who's well, going to do this? Well, see, that there, therein lies the, the problem. I described this very situation and, and listened as Michelle Bachman, a former member of Congress, talked to me on Friday. And I asked that very same question. What can anybody in Congress do? And the answer is, at this point in time, nothing. Because Congress cannot pass a law or uh, doesn't have to ratify this until it becomes a treaty. And what Michelle Bachman explained to me, and I should probably replace some of that for some those who missed it, she said there's two elements. There's one thing, which is amendments to this document that all member nations of the WHO are are in right now, but it's not officially a treaty. These are amendments which don't require Senate ratification. If we get to stage two, where where it is an official treaty signed by the United States signatories, you know, our delegates and so forth, then they would have to get a two-thirds majority of the United States Senate to go along with it. But for just these documents to essentially say, we trust the WHO to make our decisions for us as it pertains to potential health catastrophes, there's nothing in the, uh, th- that the Congress can do. There's nothing except we have to continue to threaten Biden, threaten Democrats who are who are concerned with their own reelectability. We have to threaten them and tell them if you do this, you're done. Um, and and this that's really at this point all this we can do. This is tyranny. This is tyranny. Well, you, you know what? Tyranny. It's worse than tyranny. It's worse than tyranny, to be truthful, Cheryl, because tyranny would be if Biden was just uh, taking control of all of these things himself. This is worse than that because we're now exporting that tyrannical power to a foreign adversary. And I consider the WHO, I consider, consider Tedros, the, uh, the uh, leader of the WHO, who's in the pocket of the Chinese Communist Party, I consider him and them to be foreign adversaries. Tyranny would be when well, your own is- leader imposes this. But we're, we're signing away our own ability to make our own decisions on matters of this health isn't Biden. to foreign this countries. This isn't Biden. Let me say this, Bob, and I'll let yeah, you go. This sure. isn't Biden running the shots. This is Obama behind the scenes. He wanted Hillary to do this. This is Obama running his third term using Biden as the puppet to do so. And that's how I feel. And this is sickening. I I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong, but I think it's (laughs) probably even bigger than that. Thanks Thanks for the call, Cheryl. Yeah, I think it's probably much bigger than that. Who are the kingmakers and who are the kings and who are the puppets of the kings? You know, you look to George Soros and the Open, Open Societies Foundation. Again, Michelle Bachman covered all of this uh, in the interview that I did. We have heard multiple, even uh, uh, Tucker Carlson played it, uh, played some clips the other night about this. The, the backers that are behind all of this global governance are groups like uh, Bill Gates, the Bill Gates Foundation, the uh, uh, Soros' Open Societies Foundation. And yes, Obama was indeed one of their tools or one of the drivers 
Yes, Hillary Clinton would have continued that. Now they had a pause for four years thanks to Donald Trump, and now they're picking up right where they left off. But it's worse than tyranny. It's bigger than tyranny. We saw tyranny under Obama. Some of the executive orders that he admitted he did not have the constitutional authority to issue, he issued anyway and said, tough, let's let the courts uh, decide, and let's let them come and undo what I've done. That's tyranny. We have seen tyranny before. This is worse than that. This is saying we're not going to let the American imperialist, the, 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 the would-be monarch, the would-be emperor, um, you know, in charge of the United States, do these things, taking the rights away from the people that are guaranteed us by our Constitution. That would be tyrannical. This is giving power to foreign governments. This would be giving China, through their control of Tedros, who runs the WHO, the authority to make decisions on how we handle health crises, if they determined that those health crises could impact other foreign countries, which, of course, is why there would be a treaty. And they don't tell you how they make those determinations. They don't define health emergency. They don't define uh, pandemic. They don't define any of those things, which means they can do whatever they want. So it is tyrannical, but it's worse than that because it's giving the tyrannical power to a foreign government rather than our own, which would be bad enough. Uh, And Cheryl, I just FYI, I I sympathize, I empathize, I agree with, I share all of your concerns. But legitimately, from what Michelle Bachman has told me, what Jim Jordan has told me, there's not much that we can do, those of us who feel like this, particularly when those representatives most likely to listen to us are in the minority party. When you're in the minority of the House and the Senate, you can't really do much except make noise, be loud, and and hopefully intimidate and threaten these people with their seats. Tell them there will be no re-election if you participate in the surrendering of American sovereignty when it comes to our health and decision-making. You will not have a job. Biden, you and your party will not take another term, and so on and so forth. And then, quite literally, we just have to hope that somebody, whether it's Donald Trump or somebody doing Trump-ish America first things, would then take over in 2024 and completely dissolve the agreement by pulling ourselves out of the World Health Organization for the second time. It's frustrating, I know. But that's the reality. BJ is in North Olmstead next. Hi, BJ. Go ahead, sir. Yes, Bob, I'm very concerned for your younger people and your, your future country, America. <clears throat> and if it will be America, when you, if you have the good fortune to become my age. There's a lot of senior centers around this country, and I hope that the seniors wake up and become activated because they're next on the list of the World Health Organization for extermination. And if you don't believe that, if you're willing to kill millions of babies, there's no reason to have people hanging around that aren't productive and are contributing to the tax uh, system and the money system in the country. So this is a very serious matter, and I predicted this back several months ago. But come come June, the coming month, you're going to start to see a lot of riling up and a lot of waking up. There is no choice but to fight for your own life in this country. And if you don't fight for your own life, you deserve not to have a life. And that's what these people think that want to have the World Health Organization controlling the world. This is the new world order that George Bush predicted was 
going to be coming and is now in the present time taking over our country. It is a time to fight, and I mean literally fight. Former former GIs, you guys have to wake up, arm yourself, because if you're not willing to fight for your country, you will lose it. This is serious, serious business. This is a global war that's going on to control the world. And if we don't wake, not, not we, if those do not wake up that understand this, you will lose your sovereignty. You will lose your freedom. There's no question about that. There is no more time to waste. The activism of seniors and younger people have to come together and wake up if you want to save America. Not only America, but look what they're doing to the Chinese women. Look at what they're doing to people in Europe. They're already they're already incarcerating and killing them. So killing people is not a big issue with those that want to have one world government. You must wake up and, and really, really wake up to the fact that they want to destroy you if you stand in the way of their one-world government. And I wish us, God willing, this awakening that's going on now will awaken the American public. Thank you for your time, and God bless you. Yeah, uh, thank you, BJ. Um, I'll say this, just in response to that very quickly, as it's 1024. Um, back when Obama was president, many of us warned about the coming expansion and move and slide toward globalism. And people laughed and called people who said those things conspiracy theorists. Oh, we're not giving up our rights to the global, some global government. We'll always be the United States. We'll always be the biggest, baddest, baddest dog on the block. Nobody's going to mess with us. We are still going to be in control. We'll be the world's police, world the world's biggest economy. No, quit worrying about us to, you know, being surrendered to the globalists. And now here we are, just a few short years later, and the Biden administration is in Geneva right now getting ready to surrender rights of the United States of America to make its own decisions when it comes to health to a global organization called the World Health Organization at the World Health Assembly. So from now on, what I think would be appropriate, rather than calling people who make these predictions conspiracy theorists, particularly when they come to things like global government, and things like what Obama had been working on, which we are now seeing come to fruition. Rather than calling us conspiracy theorists, I think perhaps the best thing to call us would be uh, spoiler alerts. We're telling you what's going to happen ahead of time. We're telling you how the game ends. We're telling you how the movie ends. We're telling you how the book closes. And it's sad, but it's reality. We, we, we're not conspiracy theorists if what we are telling you is going to happen actually ends up happening. We're the ones who know the answers. We're the ones who tell you uh, what globalism is all about and how close we are to sliding right into it. Spoiler alert, not conspiracy theorists. 1025, I'll be right back. Ten twenty nine, Always Right Radio on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Don't forget AlwaysRight.us and the sound off button. While Congress plays with UFOs, they ignore the who mofos. It's pure and simple misdirection. Great playbook you got there, Democrats. 
That one is Jim in Willard, who went to alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us, and clicked the red follow-up button on the right side of the page and left me that, or excuse me, not follow-up, beg your pardon, uh, the uh, sound-off button. Uh, Click that sound-off button and send your message to me like he just did, and he's not wrong. Have you been paying attention to the uh, revelations by the U.S. government, finally, of the existence of UFOs and some of the unexplained uh, sightings and experiences that American military and pilots and others have had with these things? Suddenly, they're willing to tell us what they've been burying for decades and decades and decades. Why? Could it be because they do need a distraction? They do need misdirection. Take your eyes off of the inflation. Take your eyes off of the plummeting stock market about headed into bear territory. Take your eyes off of the baby food shortage. Take your eyes off of the gas prices. Take your eyes off of potential war with China. Take your eyes off of uh, $40 billion to Ukraine. Take your eyes off the southern border in which we're, we're just letting hundreds of thousands of, of people in every single year to invade our country. Take your eyes off of all of that. Look at the lights in the sky. Suddenly, UFOs are a thing. Jim is not wrong. We're surrendering our sovereignty to foreign countries. We're allowing an invasion of our own country. We're killing our people through inflation. And they're talking about UFOs. Jim, thank you for that message. We'll have more of those and more of your phone calls coming up right after the news on AM 1420, The Answer. Uninformed. Always write radio with Bob France on the answer. 1038 now, AM 1420, the answer. Thanks for being with us on Always Write Radio. Online all the time at alwayswrite.us. You can listen to the show there. You listen to the interviews you missed there. You can read some of the top news stories, conservative news and views there. And you can also sound off there. Sound off on the always right uh, radio, or excuse me, always us sound off button. Hi, Bob. This is Debbie from North Royalton. I'm just so enraged about this WHO amendment situation. I've been writing to my reps since I first heard about this a couple weeks ago. Um, my first letters to Anthony Gonzalez. And Senator Portman uh, suggested they could go out as heroes if they would lead the charge to stop this uh, surrender of our sovereignty. Of course, I got no response from Gonzalez. I got an acknowledgement from Portman. Um, I did today receive a long-form letter from Senator Sherrod Brown about how grateful he is that Biden is reversing the erratic and isolationist decisions of the Trump administration and looks forward to restoring our role with the WHO and the Paris climate, of course. Of course, we'd expect that from Sherrod Brown, but that's what we're dealing with. It's so sad and, and scary that so few of our reps act on behalf of we the people. Um we need to pray for Biden. Psalm 109, verse 8. Let his days be few and brief, and let others step forward to replace him. Thanks, Bob. Let's go, Brandon. Yeah, let's go, Brandon. Indeed, Deb, thank you so much for that very, very thoughtful and well-spoken uh, uh, well, uh, uh, well, uh, message at Always Right Tide U.S. Listen, uh, you know, what Sherrod Brown said is exactly what Biden would say. It's exactly what his delegation in front of the WHO would say. 
that Trump did us wrong. Trump taking us out of this World Health Organization nonsense, surrendering authority to them rather than to Americans, America's leaders, rather America's representatives. Remember, they're there because they're supposed to speak for us, right? Isn't that what it was supposed to be? Um, but the minority that would say something different just doesn't have the power right now. Look, I hate to be repetitive and redundant when I say what I'm about to say. But two years ago, about, people, we all, were, were extraordinarily concerned about the very, very immediate um, destruction of constitutional rights, constitutional liberties and protections guaranteed us um, when we lost the election. Not, not when we lost it, when it was taken from us, but as you understand, when it was taken from us by 2,000 mules or more, uh, and of course they had the Congress as well, we talked about how you know the, the worst things could happen. They could ensure that they will never lose control again by you know, creating more U.S. states out of Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C., thus creating four more guaranteed deep blue Senate seats, um, you know, packing the Supreme Court, uh, eliminating filibusters, all these things. And I told you then that my analogy, my metaphor, if you will, was to be, you know, we're not going to gain any ground in this race. You're not going to be able to swim against this blue tide. Just tread water so you don't drown. Just tread water for two years, I said. And then twenty. And all we have to do is count on and hope that one or two reasonable centrists like a Joe Manchin or Kirsten Sinema would stop the worst, most radical agenda, from, uh, Green New Deal is another one, from being passed during the time we're in the minority. Tread water until we can get the majority back in 2022, I said. Well, here we are. We're just a few months away from the election in 2022. And I feel like it's been successful for the most part. Manchin has stood up, stopped Build Back Better, which is a huge, huge down payment on the Green New Deal. There have been a lot of agenda items that the Democrats wanted to do when they have unchecked power here that they have not been, have not been able to do. So, you know, I feel pretty good about that, having kind of said, look, this is what we do, tread water. Then we ride the red wave in on a surfboard into Washington, D.C., in full control of both houses or both chambers of Congress, right? So I don't mean to be redundant when I say this, but when it comes to this WHO situation, yeah, a lot of damage could be done in the next two years. It could. I'm not going to lie. But we have to hope for the same thing, that the worst-case scenarios don't bite us while we continue to now tread international waters. Okay? I know, again, it sounds redundant, and, and it is. Be truthful. But I think it's our only hope. Tread water, hope that Tedros, the Chinese Communist Party, those looking to take the United States down, will not be able to do so despite our own willing assistance in that effort being put forth by the Biden administration. That the worst of the worst doesn't happen in the next two years. And then, and I say next two years because, again, you know, even if our wave happens in November, which I fully expect it to, unless election fraud happens, um, you know, it's going to take, as Jim Jordan said, probably, you know, a new president in 2024 to change us and get us out of that. And so th- my advice here is not really advice. It's just, you know, look, this is the reality that we face. We're going to have to continue to try to tread water, make as much noise as we can, threaten enough Democrats with being defeated and being removed from their office, uh, from their offices, 
uh, you know, if they if they go forth with such things. That's really all we can do. I guess the second part of that is, in addition to the tread water metaphor, is to really, really make as much noise as possible if something happens after we sign on to this WHO document with the new uh, order, I could say new world order, that the uh, WHO will decide what Americans do and what they don't do, what they're required to do, what they're not required to do, um, you know, in the event of a, a, another pandemic or a health emergency, um, you know, if if they do try to make an order at that time that we believe is so very dangerous for not just our civil liberties, but for our economy, businesses, at school students, and everything else that we did to ourselves in the, the 2020 and 2021 height of the of the COVID pandemic, if we see that coming, that's when we make enough noise, hopefully with a Republican-controlled Congress, to demand that we do indeed tear up that agreement. We rescind our signatures. We rescind our agreement to allow the WHO to make these decisions for us. We are not going to. And maybe, just maybe, in the in a, in a last gasp effort to hold on to power, somebody like Biden would listen to the Republican majority in the House, Republican majority in the Senate, even if you know he himself isn't going to run for re-election. And we don't know what's going to happen there. But for his party's sake, they would say, okay, yeah, the WHO is recommending that we send police door-to-door to test people for this to lock people down for that, to isolate people for this, the way they're doing in China. This is what the WHO recommends to us right now, and we are under their authority because we signed this. But guess what? We're crossing it off. We're not signing it after all, or we're, we're rescinding it. We're shredding it. So it's really just a matter of how much noise can we make, how many uh, activists does it take to try to defend and, and, and uh, protect our liberties. If those liberties are signed over, by a government that we do not support our own in such a way so that another government we do not support, that would be that of an international body, if we make enough noise, or how much noise would it take to get them to take that back? I guess that's the best way I can say it right now. 216 I welcome your thoughts. Let's go to uh, Westlake. Charlie, go ahead. You're on the air. Hey, Bob. How are you? Very good, Very good show. Hey, I'm watching, uh, I'm listening to you and this WHO stuff. It, to me, it's globalism. Globalism is just another word for Marxism. It has to be unconstitutional. I don't know where, when it's unconstitutional, what you do, but we should have some federal judges stepping in. This Congress of ours, even if we don't have the majority, every word out of their mouth should be impeachment of Joe Biden. Every, and it's coming. It's got to, they got to let it know it's coming because this is how the Democrats treated Trump nonstop from day one. But this, we're letting this guy move ahead with this world of globalism. It's Marxism. It's, it's against the, the country. Well, yeah, it is all of those things. And, uh, and that's kind of what I'm talking about when I say <clears throat> if, the, if the treaty or the agreement, if you will, it's not a treaty yet. Michelle Bachman was clear about that. If the agreement is signed... Um, by the U.S. delegation, and we are indeed agreeing to let the WHO call the shots, that when they call those shots, if they are something that egregiously uh, tramples on our rights, even more so than what we did to ourselves, again, in 2020 and 21, that we do threaten Biden with impeachment, that we do threaten, this is after November, as you said, that we do threaten Democrats with running them out of office, 
Um, it, it probably won't have a ton of teeth because, you know, as, as you probably know, even if we win a landslide in November in the House, it won't be as big in the Senate to the tune of getting enough to uh, remove Biden from office, just like they impeached Trump twice but lost in the Senate because there just weren't enough votes there to remove him from office. So Biden probably wouldn't be afraid of actually being removed from office. But just the threat of impeachment and going through the process, being embarrassed by the legacy of impeachment, like they try to embarrass Trump, it might be enough. It might be enough. I, I can see that to 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 at least have him recognize the folly that he's engaged in by listening to Tedros, listening to the WHO, listening to China when it comes to our decisions here, that maybe it might make him pull back and say, yeah, we're not going to do what they're telling us to do. Yes, an earlier caller said, uh, you know, she she saw the uh, fingerprints of Obama, and I see this is fundamentally changing America. Giving up our sovereignty, where do you get it back? I mean, I hope, I hope we we can stop this before 2025. Jim Jordan says we can't do anything until 2025. It might be too late. We really, really have to, you know, well, yeah, I don't that's, know. that's what I, that's what I'm talking about. Thank you, Charlie. I appreciate the call. That's exactly what what my my discussion was before going to the calls here. You know, this is what we can do between now and then. It's not a ton, but this is what we can do um, until we get the majority back. And then once we do get the majority back, this is what we can threaten in terms of ever ceding power again. George is in uh, Chardon next. Hi, George. You're on the air. Yeah, thanks a lot for getting me on. Yes, um, you know, the enforcement part of this, does that mean the World Health Organization will have to establish a World Health Organization police? And how do we travel internationally? Are we all going to have, are we all going to be chipped? So they, and are they going to have a huge database to monitor all this? And will we all be in that database? And right now, if, we, if the international companies don't follow the, the protocol, well, other organizations be told not to do business with them. So there will be sanctions if you don't follow it. How do we not follow this even if it's passed? Well, here's the thing. Yeah, here. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it, George. Here's here's my thought on that. Uh, no, I don't think there would be like a world police where they would come in and make sure that we're doing these things that they tell us to do. I don't believe that. Uh, they would demand that our police and our federal authorities and our, you know, uh, CDC uh, officials and whatever, you know, whatever they that we need to use to to crack down on American liberties. And if they don't, what what you said there, the second part of what you said is probably true. They would limit America's ability to travel internationally. They would limit American uh, or America's ability to welcome uh, uh, travelers and business people and corporations and so on from other countries into the United States for fear of whatever virus or pandemic or whatever that the United States isn't doing what they tell us to do. Um, I can see that, you know, telling us we can't travel. Americans are forbidden from entering the countries of A, B, C, D, E, and F, whatever WHO uh, signatories there are uh, that are mad at us for not doing this. But to answer your question about what do we do about it, how do we not follow it, I think we also have to recognize the fact that the United States remains, you know, one of the one of the two largest thriving economies in the world. Even though we're not thriving right now under the Brandon administration, 
because we actually did see a little bit of shrinkage in uh, in GDP in the first quarter and because of inflation and because of energy and everything else. Overall, the United States is still a very, very beneficial nation for other countries to do business with. Our economy, our marketplace is that huge. I feel as though, and maybe this is wishful thinking, but just to answer your question, I feel as though there are going to be a whole lot of countries who are told, don't do business with the United States, don't travel to the United States, don't try to sell your products and your goods to the United States, don't ship them there, because they didn't follow through with what their promise was in the WHO agreement. Uh, there will be a whole lot of countries that say, yeah, yeah, not going to do that. Not going to freeze out the United States. They're a massive, massive, massive trading partner of ours. They're a massive customer base of ours. It's the same reason why the United States businesses, that so many United States corporations, continue to do business with China. We talk about China's uh, human rights violations. We talk about China's um, uh, assault and, and, and essentially their, uh, their, their holocaust. I hate to use that word, but you know, this is, this is a genocide on that, not on the same scale, but in terms of the same manner of the, of the Uyghur Muslims in China. Now, they don't have six million of them the way Hitler did with the, with the, you know, Holocaust of the Jews, but the genocide is the same. There's around two, two million Uyghur Muslims that are being systematically exterminated in China. We have said we won't allow that. We don't support that. We can't uh, be a part of that. Yet we continue our business with China because they got, you know, uh, two, two billion people there for crying out loud. Yeah, two billion people there, and that's a huge marketplace. So we want to continue to stay in business with China. We want to continue to export and trade with China. So even though we don't agree with their policies, even though we say we won't support this, that, or the other thing, we aren't going to turn away business. And that's the same thing I think that would happen around the world. They would look at the United States, and the WHO would be saying, don't do business with the U.S. They backed out of the deal that we made over the uh, health situations. But they're going to be business, or excuse me, countries all over the world who say we're not going to turn down business with the United States of America. That's my hope. Am I right? Am I wrong? I don't know. We won't know until it plays out. But that's my hope. 1054, right back. Yeah, I hope uh, some of the answers that I'm giving to these questions, which, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of bizarre. They're, they're questions for which there are no answers right now. But I hope the ones I'm coming up with make a little bit of sense and maybe provide just a little bit of hope, because I feel like there is always at least a little bit of hope. Um, and it's kind of funny. I'm sitting here answering the very questions that I was asking of Jim Jordan, and Jim Jordan couldn't answer them. And I said, I feel bad for him because I bring him on here and people say, how come Jordan doesn't get anything done? Jordan always says this, that, and the other. What are you going to do about this? And so I bring those questions to Jim Jordan when he comes on the program like he did in the first hour. I say, hey, what is Congress going to do? What are you guys going to do? You know, we're about to lose our sovereignty, WHO, globalism, global governance, and so forth. And, you know, I feel bad because I'm expecting him to come up with answers that don't exist. And now I'm trying to come up with those answers that don't exist. And the only answers I can come up with, the kind that you know he brought up too, is we just have to make as much noise as possible to let the Democrats know we will not allow this, and they will pay the price electorally uh, down the you know coming down the line, whether it's for re-election campaigns for themselves, their party, their platform, their president. We just have to make as much noise as possible, sweep as many conservatives into power, 
in the uh, House and in the Senate in, in November. Uh, limit any more damage that Biden can do in the last two years, and then, of course, uh, get a get a conservative president back in office. Pull us out of the WHO, and 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 at the end of the day, that's 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 really the only answer that there is right now. Congress doesn't have the authority to tell Biden's delegation to the WHO to not vote for these amendments uh, that they themselves have proposed. You can't do it. They don't have the power to do it. So all we can do is, again, hope for the best. And now that sounds just like pretty lame, but, but I mean, really, uh, trust the fact that the U.S. economy is that strong. Trust the fact that the U.S. reputation, even if we are in a down economy due to the policies of a terrible president, which we are dealing with right now, um, the, the U.S. historically is so much of a safe bet for the rest of the world with which to do business with our you know, phenomenal consumer base that they will continue to do business with us. They will continue to allow us to travel uh, because it would be a bad move for all of them to cut off ties with the United States over the WHO. That's my guess. That's my best hope. All right, coming up here after the top of the hour news, we are going to shift gears somewhat dramatically and talk about something a little more positive, something something that's a little bit more uh, interesting and exciting. We've got some podcast programs that we are airing on the weekends here that you should be aware of. You hear about them from time to time in our promos, but uh, Coach Peter Cimarroni, one of the nicest guys, one of the best business people with with the best business acumen, honestly, in Northeast Ohio that I know, he's been doing Coach Cimarroni's Undeniable. Uh, We're going to talk to him about this podcast and about some of the incredible truths that he has been able to uncover from all of the successful people that he interviews on the Undeniable podcast. And we're going to talk to him at the same time that we talk with Andy Billman, the director of the extraordinary 30 for 30 ESPN broadcast uh, called Believe Land. He is doing the official Cleveland sports podcast now, which we air for you as well at WHK. So we're going to talk to Coach Cimarroni and also to Andy Billman, both coming up here after the top of the hour. We're going to lighten it up a little bit, talk about some positive things in the midst of all of these uh, troubles and travails that we are trying to deal with right now. That's next on Always Right Radio and AM 1420, The Answer. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420, The Answer. Always Right Radio online at alwaysright.us. Check it out each and every day. Welcome to this Monday edition. Hour number three is underway now, eight minutes past 11 o'clock. It's the 23rd morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. 
Make sure you sound off for me on the Facebook page, or excuse me, on the uh, uh, alwayswrite.us page. Hit the sound off button, record your message for me. We will play them live on the radio. We've been doing it all morning, give you responses to your comments and answers to your questions as well. I just love it, and, and the reason I continue to promote it is because so many people are not able to listen live. They listen to the show like they listen to so many podcasts uh, at their own leisure. And you may be listening to the show later in the day, maybe at night, maybe during your workout, and you say, oh, I wish I could respond to that, but the show's not live now, so you can't call. Well, the best thing you know, for you to do then would be what? Go to alwayswrite.us, click the sound off button, say what you've got to say, and it comes right to my screen, and then I'll play it during the next live broadcast, and you can hear my response to your question or comment. So make sure you bookmark alwayswrite.us. I want you to listen to something fun right now. Yeah, I think as Browns fans, we've had a really hard time post-move. I don't yeah. think we've really digested that. Which, by the way, we shouldn't have. That was terrible. That and was as for the Guardians and Indians, yep. this has been too damn long. I mean, yep. 48 a long time. It's a long time, forty-eight. You know, long time. And we've had sniffs, and of course, the the most heart wrenching, of course, Cleveland stories, ninety-seven and sixteen. Nah. You know, come on, are you kidding nah. me? A rain delay and um, Jose Mesa not taking his meds or whatever <laughs> it was that he did. You know, I mean, just so sad. I, I, uh, ninety-seven. I thought the move was the worst. Right. I if you want to get a second place, it was. It was 97. That was tough. I mean, 2-1, up until that point, Mm -hmm. no one had ever lost a game seven being up in the ninth inning. Yep. The Indians were the first half. Yep. (laughs) But what's worse, losing the game seven being up in the ninth inning or losing a 3-1 lead in 2016 to the Cubs? I don't know. The two voices you just heard, you're going to hear a lot more of right now. I want to welcome to our program our good friend, Coach Peter Cimarroni, host of the Undeniable Podcast. And with him which you just heard there, uh, is the voice of Andy Billman, host of the official Cleveland Sports Podcast, both of which air now on AM 1420, The Answer through Salem Media. Coach Peter Cimarroni, it's so good to talk to you again. How are you this morning? Bob, my man, I love it. I absolutely love it. I love your show. I love you. And uh, we've been friends for a long time. Thanks for having us on. And thanks for having Andy Billman on. He's got a radio show, too. Man. Yeah, yeah, he does. He, he does, and that, that's the whole reason I figured I would steal that from your Undeniable podcast. Why not get both of your voices on the same same broadcast since we're going to talk it. to both of you now? Andy Billman, welcome to AM 1420, The Answer, and Always Right Radio. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. Just living the dream, and, um, you know, it's a, it's a pollen season, uh, Bob Rant, so I'm living in the Clarendon D. Hayes, you know? <laughs> I'm with you, man. I think we're in the same haze. I can tell you that. Oh, yeah. So good to have you guys both on. Hey, Andy, I want to start with you uh, because, you know, for those who do not know, you are the director of the award-winning, tremendous chronicle of Cleveland sports history and disappointment and sadness and failure, uh, you know, uh, Believe Land, uh, which, which so many of us watched and just had, you know, tears in our eyes and so many memories came flooding back. I have to challenge what you and Peter were just talking about uh, on that episode of Undeniable there, and you said that second is probably the, the, the uh, you know, the ninth inning and, and Jose Mesa. Um, how do you square those two? Because I find them almost, you know, maybe it's 1A and 1B. The loss, uh, you know, to the Marlins and then the 3-1 lead on the Cubs, um, which, which would have given us, you know, three away. Well, we had three different chances to end that, uh, end that drought for the Indians. So, so why did you pick that one over the Cubs? I felt, Bob, in 97, when I was watching my brothers, I thought it was, I thought we were going to win it. I mean, when you're in the ninth inning of a game, 
And 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 you got the closer. Yes, Mesa had a very shaky run in '97. For people who don't remember, but still '97 with your closer on the mound, I just felt like they were going to win. Bob to be truthful, and I love the Indians. I love Francona and those guys. I don't know if I ever felt like, gosh, we're going to win a championship. I felt like it was close. In 97, Bob, I was ready to go to high school in senior year and be like, we have finally won! I don't think <laughs> I felt that way. <laughs> to be honest with you, it was close. And I went to two World Series games. And in game five, when Jose hit the home run to give him a one-nothing lead, I was like, okay. I was starting to count out. But still, I never felt as close. I felt it was much closer. I think because it was the Cubs and it was such a hype. World Series, I can understand why you and others might feel like it's 16. To me, it's still 97. Because I felt like, I thought the Indians were going to win it. I really did. You make a very compelling argument. I did too. I mean, who didn't? Who couldn't have? Who couldn't have? Who didn't feel that same way? But uh, but as I watched that whole thing, oh, that's okay. We didn't win. Win. Uh, you know, we didn't win game five and win it four to one. But we still have two right. more chances. I. The pain was just. You know, the pain in the, in '97 was just more immediate and more shocking. The pain yeah. of the collapse in 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 '16 was was spread out over the course of a few days and three <laughs> yeah. games that we had a chance to close it. Peter Cimarroni, uh, you're right. We have been friends for a very long time. I've been so uh, yes. blessed to talk with you. I've been a guest on your podcast. We've talked at length about uh, wrestling and business and uh, wrestlers and business, your, uh, your, your dedication to the business community for those who have been involved in wrestling. Tell us more about Undeniable. You know, Undeniable, and actually we had uh, Andy on, and we're going to have you on pretty soon too, young man. Looking so forward to it. going to be good. Absolutely. Me too. Uh, Undeniable really is an extension of Blood Time, which is my other podcast that uh, initially started in the wrestling community really talking to some incredible individuals and the remarkable transformative stories. But more importantly, who was that blood time moment for you? Meaning, who was that coach, that mentor, that, that family member, whatever, that believed in that individual, that wrestler? And then what did they do with that transformation in the real world? That's the story that we're now telling in business, is that transformative moment with a mentor, a, a professor, a coach, a boss, uh, an uncle, an aunt, uh, who, whoever that was, and then what did they do with that transformative moment in the real world and how are they disrupting the leadership? What, where's their open heart? Where's their open mind? Where's the empathy? Where's this evolved leadership, which we need a lot more of in every aspect of life today? And that's what Undeniable is about. You just can't deny the story and the individuals. You, you know what, Peter? So much of your career, to, at least from, mm-hmm. from my observation, all of your business success, obviously you have tremendous business acumen and you have to be able to, 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 to know how to run business and how to, how to grow. But yours, so much of what your success at least to me, seems like you just have the right positive mental attitude. There's a, there's a sense of inspiration uh, combined with perspiration, if I can borrow <laughs> that. You know, I mean, really, that, that, that you seem to share. I mean, anytime you're talking about success in business, you're talking about the growth of your own businesses, you know, you're not talking about dollars and cents and X's and O's. You're talking about just what it takes to commit yourself to something and to yeah. perhaps build on, as you, as you say, maybe the strengths, the traits that you learned through something else that was extraordinary, like a wrestling experience or a sporting experience. So much sure. of what you do is all between the ears, isn't it? Much more than just, you know, than actual business knowledge. Yeah, in the, in between the ears and in the in the chest, too. In the yes, heart. there you go. Well said. Uh, and so, you know, and, and Bob, that's why I surround myself with tremendous human beings like Andy Billman. You know, the, the, end, the end, the dollop, the, the drop of Jupiter that he brought to us was the Believe Land that uh, through all the 
trials and tribulations, we can still win that championship, and we did in 16. And there's the message. And so what do we do with that as a city? Well, we've done okay. You know, we come through the, the pandemic. Uh, we've got leadership coming back to, to town. And Andy is now on the air. And he's bringing that positivity to uh, to us in, on, on, a, on a grander scale. And that's my goal, is to surround myself with tremendous human beings. I want to graduate good human beings because good wrestling, good business, good profitability, good whatever that is, comes easy if you're surrounded by great human beings because those are the underpinnings and the foundations of everything you need for success. And that's really the core of my business. It's empathy. It's it's doing onto others as they wish to be done onto. It's listening and reacting in that listening in in that listening mode. We call him Coach Peter. Coach Peter Cimarroni. The uh, podcast is undeniable, and it is undeniably uh, uh, amazing. It really is such a great Thank listen you. and and so inspirational. Like I said, I find myself uplifted every time I listen to one of your podcasts. Andy Billman is with us again. He does the official Cleveland sports podcast. Andy, I didn't know you were born in Illyria, by the way. I saw that in your bio. I, I'm a lifelong Illyrian. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I guess you and I and Wes Miles. Wes Miles is also born in hospital. There you go. Yeah, Illyria kid. My parents had a small little apartment in our homestead at the time. Very cool. So, so tell me more about the the official Cleveland. I mean, you know, sports radio is obviously very saturated. Uh, you know, there's uh-huh. two specific sports uh, stations in town. Another one that does a lot of the games and so on. So, what sets you apart? What 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 makes you different? What are you not doing? Or excuse me, what are you doing that some of the uh, tr- traditional sports radio shows are not doing? Uh, the one thing I will say is I do watch every game, and I think I'd have a very, uh, very good fiance puts up with me uh, because I sit there and I'll stop at dinner and be like, "Look, we got to watch these last five minutes of the game." <laughs> I got to really check to see what's going on. So when I started this, Bob, to be honest, I just watch every game, and I and I study and I read everything, and I produce, and I'm not questioning others, but I really do watch. I have no problem watching stuff and, and giving an eye, and I when I do my official Cleveland Sports Instagram show, which you can check it out on Instagram, official Cleveland Sports. I go on after every game. I sit there and I watch it and I really study it. Uh, I don't, I, I live through sports, Bob. That's all I got. I have my kids, I have my family, but I live through these things. I live through sports. I worked at ESPN for 18 plus years. This is what I do. So I really have the knowledge. I have the experience and working through ESPN. I think I can also give like, so here's our Cleveland perspective, but here's the national perspective. Right. There is a two different perspectives. And it's like that in every city. It's not just Cleveland. It's even like that in New York, Chicago, wherever. So I can also give you that, too. So I'll give you a perspective. It's like, let's, and I try to give the fandom, like, I give fandom, of course. Do I get upset over the Steelers' loss in Monday Night Football? Heck, yes, I do. That was awful. But at the same time, I try to give hope. But at the same time, I try to beg, look, here's what we're thinking, but here's what everybody else is thinking. And let's put that in perspective. So I always try to give a, a natural perspective of here's the 20-foot view here at the local bar in Cleveland. Here's the 50,000-foot view here from everywhere. And let's keep a perspective of where we're really at. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? like, yeah, and, and, Bob, let me, let me add to that, too. What Andy's done over his career is interviewed so many, so many incredible athletes throughout the, throughout the generations. So that's what he brings, too. I mean, he gets perspective from Reggie Jackson to today. 
You know, that's a great that's that's a great point, and that's I'm, I'm so glad to hear you say that, Peter, because you know, obviously, Andy, what you just said, watching every game is one thing, but being able to use what you see and to tie it to the experiences you've had with talking to athletes, that's what right. gives a different perspective. Not a lot of right. hosts, not a lot of shows can really offer that, and so that's obviously a, a huge benefit for you and for obviously those who listen to official Cleveland sports. Um you know, you you did all of the interviews after Believe Land came out. I wasn't one of them, mm-hmm. so I want to just ask you now. Just be, even though it's been a been a, been a bit now, but for those who uh-huh. don't know, and maybe maybe there are listeners right now who are you know more politically minded. Mine's a political show, much more than a sports show like I used to do. Uh, so for those who have not checked out Believe Land, you you really need to seek it out. Is it streaming? And uh, where, where it can is. people find you can get it? On ESPN, you can get on ESPN Plus. You can also order it on Amazon and get either way. There you go. That's what I wanted people to know in case they haven't seen it. So for those mm-hmm. who have not, just like, what can you tell me about um, how that was born? You know, how long did you decide that you were going to do this before you actually started to put product together and put interviews together and put sound and video together and make this thing happen? How long it, of a project was that? It was about two years exactly. Um, we started in the summer of 14. I actually started with the Indians. So I interviewed Hardgrove, Tammy, and I interviewed a few other Indians. I was Kenny Lawson. Um, I interviewed those guys first to kind of start off. And it was a much more media process because I had worked as a producer on the Disney ESPN side, right? So they were letting me direct for the first time. So I was on the flip end of things. So it was very different for me. Um, it took, it was a must, this was a passion project, clearly. So because of that, the one thing I tried to do was set my, team up with people who are non-Clevelanders. So I hired people who weren't as attached to the story as I am because I needed them to bring me back down to earth. <laughs> because if it was up to me, I'd be like, why can't we hear everything that happened in 1986? I find it all interesting. Or like, you know, I want to go into every little detail in 97 and be like, well, let's pull back. And, let's... and it really helped me out there. So that was a big part of the creative process. Um, the other thing that took, it, took so, uh, it took two years was I really wanted to make sure to hit the right mark and to me in particular, the Ernest Biner story meant a lot to me mm-hmm. because that really affected me as a Cleveland fan when I watched it happen. Uh, my dad got really upset. He broke our television, and I was really confused at the time. I was like, is this what sports is about? <laughs> and so, <laughs> so it really gave me some – and by the way, I went more to it because my dad and I and my brothers, we love sports. My mom, we all wanted to keep watching so in that particular moment, in particular with Viner, I wanted to make sure to hit the right note because I really love, I still love Ernie, um, talk to him all the time, and he's such a good guy. And I felt like he took too much of the brunt of that loss looking back at it. And, I, and again, the other thing, too, with this film, when I came to ESPN, and I sat around a room, we all wanted to talk about, well, who's your team? Who's your team? Well, I told him I was from Cleveland, and I liked the Cleveland team. He's like, oh, we feel so bad for you. I'm like, why do you feel bad? You're like, oh, you must you just like get tired of the losing. So that was the other inspiration there too. And so because of that, I wanted to make sure you hit all those notes. It took about two years. Scott Rabb was a wonderful partner throughout. I really enjoyed working with Scott and he meant the world to me. And um yeah, so it took two years of hard labor and then thank God the Cavs won in game seven, right? So uh, unbelievable. That was the cherry on top of the Sunday. I'll tell you what, that's such a great story. I would love to talk to you more just about the creation of that and who the best interviews you did were and who the worst ones were and why you couldn't get Albert <laughs> Bell. <laughs> yeah. I tried. 
I know. <laughs> I know. I'm sure you did. Nobody can get Albert Pell to speak, and uh, maybe that's well. If, if, maybe he'll maybe. let you throw a baseball at your head or something. Who knows, right? <laughs> uh, I'm looking at the uh, whkradio.com podcast page right now. You will find Undeniable with Coach Peter Cimarroni. Uh, Coach Cimarroni's Undeniable. You will also see the official Cleveland Sports uh, podcast with uh, Andy Billman there as well. You know what, you guys? It's so much fun what you do. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Peter, I'm looking forward to being on Undeniable. I enjoyed being on Blood Time, and I'm looking forward to the next time as well. Uh, thank you both for bringing some fun, some lightheartedness, some levity, and, and uh, some energy to, to, to the Cleveland sports scene. I really appreciate that very much. Thank you both. Bob, Bob, we love you. We love Tim Vaughn. We love Josh Booth. We love the whole crew at uh, WHK and Salem Broadcasting. Thank you, and Andy, love you, bro. You're great. Love you, buddy. Thanks, guys. The feeling is more than mutual. There you go. Peter Cimarroni and Andy Billman, a couple of the great, great podcasts, Andy's radio show, uh, the Undeniable, or excuse me, the uh, Official Cleveland Sports uh, uh, show is, uh, is just terrific stuff. I have, as you know, you know, had some problems with professional sports leagues, and not necessarily my teams, but the leagues, the NBA, the NFL, and, uh, and Major League Baseball with their wokeness invading the world of sports. I love sports. I grew up on sports. The first half of my radio career was in sports radio. I love it. I have a hard time because I want to escape all of the uh, the news and all of the politics and all of the wars and all of the rapes and all of the terrible stuff by watching my games. And they've made it so hard to do. They've made it so hard to do in the leagues. It's not the teams. It's the leagues that have made that happen with their woke nonsense. But I'll tell you where you can still enjoy it. With good conversation, the likes of which you get from Andy and his broadcast, and obviously Peter is an entirely different uh, avenue altogether. But his uh, his love of sports, his history of sports, translated into the business world, uh, in, the, in the world of inspiration as well. It's just terrific stuff and undeniable. Thanks to both of them. Quick time out here at 1126. Right back. Always right radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob France of The Answer. Okay, it's 1136. Thanks again to Coach Pete, Peter Cimarroni, and uh, Andy Billman. Really, really good conversation there. Hey, I want to I spend the last few minutes of the broadcast sharing with you what I promised I would back in hour number one. Bill Maher is a noted liberal. He has been doing his TV show on HBO for years and years and years, which might have, might be confused with CNN or MSNBC, as far left as he is. But in recent months, he has taken to watching the left falling completely off the edge of the scale. I mean, you know, the left has moved so far to the left, they've just fallen off of it. He can't go with them. Some say he's been red-pilled. Some say he's actually flipped and become conservative. I don't think so. I just think the left has gone so far crazy left, he's in the center and he looks conservative by comparison. Either way, he is getting some things right. And most recently, I guess this would have been, what, Saturday night? On his, uh, on his HBO show, he exposes and destroys this trans movement in America better than anybody has, particularly somebody who's been associated with the left that I've heard in a very, very long time. And I think it's worth sharing with you. And finally, new rule of something about the human race is changing at a previously unprecedented rate. We have to at least discuss it. 
Broken down over time, the LGBT population of America seems to be roughly doubling every generation. According to a recent Gallup poll, less than 1% of Americans born before 1946, that's Joe Biden's generation, identify that way. 2.6% of boomers do, 4.2% of Gen X, 10.5% of millennials, and 20.8% of Gen Z. Which means if we follow this trajectory, we will all be gay in 2054. <laughs> and then who's going to buy this chair? I'm just saying that when things change this much, this fast, people are allowed to ask, what's up with that? All the babies are in the wrong bodies? Was there a mix-up at the plant, like with Captain Crunch's Oops All Berries? It wasn't that long ago when adults asked a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? They meant what profession? In the wake of America about to lose abortion rights, the ACLU recently tweeted a list of those who would be disproportionately harmed by this. You would think women might top that list. No, wasn't even on the list. Second on the list was LGBT. Really? Abortion rights affects gay and trans people more than, you know, breeders? <laughs> I'm happy for LGBT folks that we now live in an age where they can live their authentic lives openly. And we should always be mindful of respecting and protecting. But someone needs to say it. Not everything's about you. <laughs> and it's okay to ask questions about something that's very new and involves children. The answer can't always be that anyone from a marginalized community is automatically right, trump card, mic drop, end of discussion. Because we're literally experimenting on children. Maybe that's why Sweden and Finland have stopped giving puberty blockers to kids. Because we just don't know much about the long-term effects. Although common sense should tell you that when you reverse the course of raging hormones, there's going to be problems. We do know it hinders the development of bone density which is kind of important if you like having a skeleton. <laughs> Fertility and the ability to have an orgasm seem also to be affected. This isn't just a lifestyle decision. It's medical. Weighing trade-offs is not bigotry. I think what we're hearing right now just so needs to be said by somebody on, you know, the leftern side, leftist, excuse me, side, of the you know of the of the ideological scale because everything he's said so far I've said a number of other people on national programs have said but to hear it from Bill Maher it carries more weight this is not a lifestyle choice situation it's medical and these medical decisions are affecting these kids for the rest of their lives all to be trendy and that's what this is as he said Millions and millions of babies aren't being born in the wrong body, but millions and millions of children are being told, you really are. You're not in the right body. Declare your new pronouns and let's get on with it. Declare your new identity and let's get on with it. 
And let's get to the doctor. Yet when a book questioning the sudden uptick in transitioning children was released, a trans lawyer with the ACLU named Chase Strangio tweeted, Stopping the circulation of this book and these ideas is 100% a hill I will die on. How very civil liberties of him. Chase, by the way, has just been named one of the grand marshals of this year's New York City Pride March, along with three other trans people and a lesbian. Huh, what's missing here? Oh, right, a gay man. I'm a little short on time here, so I'm going to skip toward the end here, where he has a couple of more very important points. To make. Maybe the girl who hates girly stuff just needs to learn that being female doesn't mean you have to act like a Kardashian. Maybe childhood makes you sad sometimes, and there are other solutions besides hand me the d saw. <laughs> and look, I'm sure the vast majority of parents do not take this lightly, and that it's very hard to know when something is real or just a phase. And I understand being trans is different, it's innate. But kids do also have phases. They're kids, it's all phases. The dinosaur phase, the Hello Kitty phase. One day they want to be an astronaut, the next day you can't get them to leave their room. Gender fluid, kids are fluid about everything. If kids knew what they wanted to be at age eight, the world would be filled with cowboys and princesses. <laughs> so true. I wanted to be a pirate. Right? <laughs> Thank God nobody took me seriously and scheduled me for eye removal and peg leg surgery. I mean, I talk to Dr. Everett Piper about this on a weekly basis. You've heard it. And it's so true. I, I love his last, his closing line. They're the money line. I wanted to be a pirate. Today, if you tell them you want to be a pirate, they're going to tell you, go have the surgeries to make it happen. Although, of course, they're not using pirate. They're saying boy or non-binary. Do you know that there is now something called not gender... Um, uh, uh, changing surgery, but gender gender nullification. Well, they just remove whatever biological anatomical parts that you have that identify you as one sex or the other. It's for people who want to be non-binary and they don't want any body parts whatsoever that can that can make them one thing or the other. Doctors are performing these surgeries. Thanks to Bill Maher for opening the eyes of a lot of people. We'll talk more about this when you can respond to it on tomorrow's show. But thank you so much uh, for our guest today. Thanks Enjoy to you for listening. Thanks to Johnny running our show. Everyone, say it together now. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.